0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: Starting to learn more about value
2: stocks rather than gross stocks. You guys are saving me a lot of money.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: All right. Well, you're looking at historical blue chip names, and they've endured. Their brands have endured.
0: Invest Talk, over 42 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it
3: unique. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures,
2: Financial advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June 6th, 2022 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to have this hour with you to answer your finance and investment questions. And I'm always careful to give you straight and unbiased answers each and every weekday. And no hidden agenda, just trying to give you the facts as I see them and perspective of over 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, this show will mainly be driven by your questions. I can talk about whatever's on my mind, but that that's not what this show is for. Not to hear me talk, it's to hear your questions and give you the right perspective, the pros and the cons, the risks and the rewards, okay? Now, if today's date, June 6th, sounds familiar, it should be. It was on this date back in 1944, 78 years ago today, during World War II, the Allies began the so called D Day invasion that led to the defeat of Nazi Germany. For those of us who might have thought the brutal wars were a thing of the past, well, we have proof now that wars continue. Obviously, what's happening over in Ukraine. And one thing I can say for sure is that today's investment situation is very different from what we've had over the past few decades. And we have higher inflation now, and therefore we need to focus on the shifts in the markets and how it affects your portfolio. So it will be my goal to help you understand the current environment we're in and how to avoid pitfalls and capitalize on opportunities. And that is Underrated in good markets, investors tend to ignore the risks. And in rough markets, investors tend to ignore the opportunities. And it's your job as an investor to not fall prey to that emotion and be ready to head on a swivel. Understanding that both risks come one side and opportunities come other side all times, and you need to be ready. And that's what I'm here to help you do. So let's get right to our first listener question now.
1: Steve and Justin, I have a question on a stock that was uh, recommended to me. The stock symbol is ZIM, Integrated Shipping Services. I've done my homework, and I'm looking at the fundamentals of the stock. Extremely high dividend, extremely low PE. Schwab gives it an A rating. The stock seems too good to be true. Can you give me a little insight on this stock? Is it a buy or should I stay away? Uh, Or what is a good entry point? Anyways, I appreciate your guys' service. You guys do a fantastic job. I'm looking forward to hearing the response on your podcast.
2: Thank you. All right. Now, first off, don't ever make a a buy or sell recommendation based on a Schwab rating or, or any just brokerage firm's rating. Okay, a lot of times there's conflicts of interest. They're typically, uh, especially for a smaller name like this, are typically run by some sort of algorithm, and it's based on you know, current data around the company. And the problem is, is that the market looks forward. Okay, market is always investing through or or pricing in the future. And you as an investor need to also be doing the same thing, looking through the windshield, investing through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. And for Zim, Z-I-M, this was a company that was losing money in 2019. And post-COVID with shipping rates going sky high, they've made a lot of money. The problem is is that shipping rates are coming down pretty rapidly. And earnings in 2021 are $38.60, supposed to be $42.77 this year, but going back down 64% is what expected for next year. So you're looking at that yield and that's not going to be a yield. That's going to be sustainable. Okay. So now they are making, they have made a lot of money and the prices of the, of the shares only $67, but the technicals are starting to look fairly poor. It peaked out and gapped down back in the month of March. And it's rallied a little bit here from its lows in April, but still remains now in a downtrend. And I don't like the technicals. So I think this is a stock that's over-earning. The shipping industry prices are coming down dramatically, and that means their profits are going to come down dramatically. So I do think this is too good to be true, and I would definitely pass on ZIM. Don't love the technicals or the trend of earnings. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on this headline. 25% of Americans are delaying retirement due to inflation. BMO Harris Bank says that 36% of Americans have already seen their savings hit by inflation. And if you are in or nearing retirement, you will want to hear what uh, other retirees are saying and what that could mean for strategy in the pre-retirement and retirement phase. And now, if we have time, I also want to touch a bit on the best stocks In an inflationary environment, looking at 10 sectors over the past 50 years, and when inflation doubled over a short period of time, what stocks did well, or what industries did well, I should say that. And then also annuities. In times of market volatility, many people turn to annuities. In fact, annuity sales are up pretty significantly in 2020. And 2021. So, we're going to look at that data and go over the pros and cons. And I know that sometimes they can be a little boring, but uh, almost everybody's pitched an annuity at some time. So, you need to be aware of uh, what they're good for and what they're not good for. And then, lastly, I want to check in on the ARC funds and where money is flowing. Is money flowing into them? Is capitulation hit uh, or not? And I'm waiting for that. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for capitulation in the ARC kind of space, the ARC funds, and to tell me that the pessimism has reached a peak level. And we're gonna check in on that data as well. But ultimately, I wanna know what's on your mind, so give me a call, eight eighty eight ninety nine chart. Let's look at the market today. We had the S P that was roughly it was Pretty much flat, up twelve points, about a third of one percent. You have the NYSE that was up fifty-one points, a third of one percent. The Nasdaq, uh, what do we get? Forty-eight points, a little bit better there. Uh, overall, just kind of a very, very modest up day. Still, kind of in this in this uh, bear market rally uh, that I think is still has a little bit room to run on the upside. Now, is it going to be dramatic? Probably not. But you are getting a bit of a float here as the market still is battling with what is the pace of Fed policy, what happens beyond the uh, the July meeting, we have a meeting this month, as well as next month, and what those rate changes will do to um, do to the markets do the economy. And will the Fed continue on with that. And I think that's something the market's still kind of battling with that particular process. So uh, that was the market today. Pretty modest move to the upside. Interest rates were up a little bit. The 10-year did hit. What did it hit today? Yeah, one, eight basis points, pretty decent move back above 3% on the 10 year. And I do think we're kind of in this consolidation phase uh, within the 10 year, kind of in this high twos, low three range uh, until there's some resolution to what the pace of policy will be going forward. Now, we're moving into a break, my Invest Talk phone lines are open for you at 888 99 chart.
0: Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better?
2: One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk
3: podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts, and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to
0: chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night,
1: 888-99-CHART. Hey,
2: Justin, it's Jeff
1: calling from
3: the East Coast, Maine. Hope you're doing well. Just listening to your show this morning. Just had to ask if you're not a LeBron fan. I mean, I'm an NBA guy. I was a Kobe guy. Not really a LeBron fan, but you, know, you mentioned about the different eras, and you left LeBron James off. So I just wanted to pick your brain about that. And then I also just wanted to hear your take on the, the stock IDEX Laboratories, ticker IDXX, company headquartered here in Maine provide services for veterinarians and uh, might be looking to buy it, but just wanted to get your take
2: on that stock. Thanks for the show. Love it. And uh, look forward to hearing your response. Well, great comment on LeBron. I definitely uh, left him out. And I thought about that later. I said, I should have said LeBron because there's definitely a very long LeBron era. And he's uh, definitely one of a kind. I'm a Laker fan. So obviously have to uh, support him. But yes, that was, or is, uh, if you consider him still in his prime, Uh, the LeBron era but uh, hopefully I didn't offend anybody leaving out LeBron but getting to IDEX laboratories this is they develop and manufacture diagnostic products and services for the veterinarian market veterinary market so basically a pharma company for pets and um, horses uh, of, of many kinds so this is a company that's been growing consistently and I like that they are a consistent grower. Earnings in 2019 were about 5 bucks a share, $6.25 in 2020, $8.17 last year, and expected to only increase earnings about 1% this year, although earnings expectations are coming down. Um, now, the issue here is just the multiple that it's trading at. It was one of those secular growers. It was a, I call it a hedge fund hotel, where every hedge fund was getting into it, and it created a lot of momentum. And the valuation just got absolutely out of control. Enterprise value to EBITDA back in August of last year was at sixty six zero, which is just an absurd number. Uh, it's now been cut in half to thirty one, but that's still relatively high. Um, so I, I just don't think it's quite cheap enough yet. It's free cash flow, trading 12 months is about 600 million, although that has it down. That looks like it is in decline a bit. They have a decent amount of debt that I don't love. Uh, they're buying back shares, not aggressively, but consistently, which I like. Uh, but it looks like they were doing that at a pretty high price back in, uh, you know, as, as the valuations were very high, which I don't love. Um, technicals, let's look at the technicals because. You know, this is one of those companies that you want to have in your watch list just because the business is so good. It's a consistent business, high return equity, high high cash flow, et cetera. But you you need to pay at least a reasonable price. And now I still think it's probably 20 to 30 percent overvalued. It is at support, but I think there's still probably uh, more room to run on the downside, especially if you look at the technicals. It's it's pretty ugly um and it's not really showing any signs that it's going to turn anytime soon. So there is some support here around 350, now it's at 372, so it has bounced off of support. Um my price would be around 270. Around 270 about $100 per share lower than it is today. That's when I would get interested in this name, but not until then because I think uh, the growth continues to slow revenue only up 8% last quarter, earnings up 3% year over year last quarter, trading at 40 times forward earnings, not exactly cheap in my book. So uh, good to have on your watch list, but needs to be at 270, not 370. Now we're moving into a break but after the break i want to touch a bit on inflation and inflation in relation to retirement and this is a new era and that means retirees have to think about risks of both the downside as well as the upside meaning most retirees are only considering they don't want to lose money nominally but in an inflationary era, you can lose money through inflation, right? And losing your purchasing power. And so we're going to talk about that after the break. So we're moved, we're, we're, I want to hear from you. I'm ready to take your questions now at 8899 chart
0: Each day, Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at Cleveland Cliffs.
1: Yes, Justin. Uh, thank you for all your service. Uh, this stock hasn't gone anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm wondering if is it something I should hold on to or get rid of.
2: Well, Cleveland Cliffs—they are producer of flat rolled steel and a supplier of iron ore pellets here in the U.S. and it's been kind of going sideways. Definitely underperforming the commodity index as a whole. Did you say you own it or you, or you're looking to buy it?
1: No, I've owned it for a while, and it's steadily gone down.
2: Okay. Well, when you say a while, is that a month, two months? Because it's not that far off. It's two week high.
1: Yeah, I I bought it probably somewhere in the low thirties.
2: Okay, so this is about a month ago,
1: or two. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Excuse me. No, I bought it before that. Uh, I'm down about two percent. I bought it a little about twenty six bucks.
2: Okay. Well, now it's at twenty. About a year ago. About a year. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you know it surged earlier this year and then has had a pullback, but the technicals are are fine. To be honest with you, the fundamentals are fine. I like the space as a whole. Um, now it's not my favorite steel company out there. Let's just say that. So I would be looking to switch into something in the same space because I like, I like s- steel right now, um, especially with what's happening in, you know, global deglobalization, more uh, probably infrastructure spending here, more uh, industrialization here in the U.S. And so a lot of the domestic producers I like, but Cleveland Cliffs historically is not one of the better ones. So I would sell it, but switch it out for something within the space that's a better performer longer term. Thanks great, for the call.
1: Great, Thank you.
2: No problem. Now, before the break, I touched a bit on retirees and how inflation is affecting them. And currently, CPI is around a little over 8%. And this is hitting the lifestyle choices of many retirees. And a full quarter of workers are now postponing their retirement as inflation forces more and more Americans to dip in to their savings. Now, this is a report by BMO Harris bank. They found that 36% of Americans have already seen their savings hit by inflation in some way. And it found that older Americans are on the verge of that are on the verge of retirement are feeling the crunch even more. And, this has impacted their planning, their budgeting, their dining out less, shopping less, driving the cars less. Now one in 10 Gen Xers or boomers who are also nearing retirement age have already delayed leaving the workforce, um, or are considering, uh, doing so. And that's according to nationwide insurance. So there's multiple surveys that are, are talking about these Americans. Now, only 22% of Americans this year feel they have enough saved for a comfortable retirement. That's down from 26% last year. And this was conducted now in February, so it is a little old, but it just shows you that trend. Now, more than half of the respondents in that survey said that they expect to have less than half a million dollars in savings by the time they retire, and that's drastically below the average retiree, which has $1.1 million as their ideal retirement fund. Okay. Now the main concerns of those hopeful retirees are inflation and they're worried that the rise in the stock market may reverse and change their assets in a big way. And that's the struggle that retirees are dealing with right now. It's something that historically they haven't had to think about since really the 70s and that is inflation devaluing their savings and their real returns turning negative remember real real returns are backing out inflation now for the past 30 40 years with de-global, with globalization Inflation rate of 1% to 2%, not a whole lot, not enough to really consider. It was more about how do I grow and protect the assets, right, to the downside. And you had the big uh, dot-com crash. You had the housing market crash, financial crisis. And that's what most people think about when it comes to planning for retirement is how do I protect the principle of the asset. But now it is a shift. It is a shift in battling two fronts, battling two risks. And I think that makes it even more challenging than typical. It's how do you take advantage of the positive returns that inflation brings. Remember, inflation in certain parts of the, of the market is actually good for stocks, not all, but many sectors, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And you need to take advantage of that because sitting in cash at one, 2% is going to eat away your returns, even in low yielding bonds, even even treasuries right now, 3%. percent you still have negative returns. And that is the battle that most retirees are trying to deal with. And that's what we're trying to help you with as well. Now we're going into a break on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. Once the China backlog clears, Europe and the US might see a rush of shipments. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm taking your calls live at 888.99 chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive K-E-R-O-N-E.com, Hacker1.com. Invest Talk is always made better when
0: our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between four and five p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime, 24-7, in the InvestTalk Voice Bank. 888-99-CHART.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for everything you do. I just want to call and say thank you. I talked to Justin about six months ago and he about Camper World, and he advised me to not go in there, and I didn't. And Camper World's down pretty big since then. So thank you. I'm calling today about Nelnet, N-N-I. Just kind of want to see what your thoughts are about them. They service, the big bulk of their revenue comes from student loans. They do uh, service student loans. And if Biden forgives student loans, and they should be getting a big chunk of that in one check, which is a big portion of their book value. So i was just
0: wondering, they have a good record of growing book value, 17% over their lifetime.
1: So just wanted to hear your thoughts. And if now is a good buy point or not. Thank
2: you. Bye. All right, this is Nelnet. And they hold student loans and engage in student loan servicing and tuition payment processing. The majority of the company's revenues interest income from student loans, the company holds. So I think the answer to your question is the exact opposite. Yeah, they might be getting payment, But that means they're missing out on interest. If their profits are coming from interest, and the government's going to pay off. Those student loans, guess what? Yes, they make it the principal, but those that principal wasn't in jeopardy anyway. Remember, they're government-backed. So what they make money on is those loans being outstanding and accruing interest, and them servicing those loans and getting fees as well. So I actually think this would be bad for the company. And if you look at the earnings expectations, they're coming down pretty significantly. 2020, $11 and 46 cents in earnings. 2021, $8 and 37 cents. 2022, $7 and 5 cents expected down 16%. And then next year, $6 and 15 cents down another 13%. So, you know, I, I don't love this. And, and, now I don't know if there's actually going to be student loan forgiveness or anything like that, but it doesn't seem like something that is going to benefit the this company because, like I said, the majority of their in in their of their profits come from interest. So unless I'm understanding this wrong, uh, this is not a name that I would be interested in. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on what stocks tend to do well during inflationary environment. And this is a great study. And what they did was they looked over the last 50 years and they try to find periods where the CPI spiked significantly over a short period of time. And there were three periods where inflation doubled in less than 24 months. That was March March 1973 to May 1975. April 1978 to September 1980, and February 21 to March 2022. And they looked at 10 different sectors and looked at the average, the median return for those different sectors. Now, most people would say, well, inflation is good for real estate prices, and that's going to be a good place to be, right? A hard asset. And the answer is actually, it's okay, but it's certainly not the best. What are the best? Energy, 18%. Materials, 16.8%. Financials, 6.5%. Industrials, about 3.4%. And real estate, 3.3%. Those were the sectors that were positive during those periods of time. Then there were five sectors that were negative. The worst sector, Healthcare. Down 8.4%. Consumer staples down 67 Discretion Consumer discretionary, 57 negative. Utilities down 4%. And tech down 3.64%. Now you're going to say, well, during rough times, you would think things like staples, utilities, those would go up. The problem is, is that their inputs, input costs for utilities and consumer staples tend to go up and that squeezes their margins and that's why those tend to struggle now that hasn't happened with utilities lately has happened to staples but that was an interesting little tidbit there now the other three sectors that were negative tech consumer discretionary and healthcare all interest rate sensitive we've talked about tech many times growth companies high multiples those come down that's clear consumer discretionary If it's harder to borrow, harder to take money out of your house, harder to borrow, more expensive to borrow on your credit card, et cetera, you're going to spend less money. And then healthcare. A lot of those companies tend to pay consistent dividends, and they're kind of bond proxies in a way. And you could say the same for utilities. So all of those, it makes sense why these are the sectors that struggle in an inflationary environment. Now, financials do pretty well. Higher interest rates means easier to pay, uh, or more profitable to lend. And also inflation in general, prices across the economy going up means people are, maybe they're earning smaller margin, right? Companies might be, but their overall profits tend to go up. It makes it easier to pay back loans, et cetera. So multiple factors that drive positive dynamics for financials. And then industrials, that's pretty clear. Uh, companies are trying to invest in their business to make it more efficient, et cetera. And that often m- means more industrial spending, uh, more uh, more industries needed to extract energy and materials out of the ground. And so those sectors tend to do well as, uh, as well. Now, real estate, I think the reason it, it doesn't do quite as well is because it's interest rate sensitive. Yes, overall inflation tends to be good for, for real estate, but higher interest rates are actually a negative. So that's why it's, a, it's you know, kind of barely positive. So I think that, I thought that was a really interesting study and something I kind of knew, but it's always good to get the data and understand what the median performance is over those time periods. Let's go to the InvestTalk Voicemail for a question that came in earlier from New Jersey.
3: Hi, guys. This is Brett from New Jersey. Thank you again for all that you guys do. I had a question about my Roth IRA contributions. Uh, I was looking for something with that I could just kind of put in and forget about and not watch all the time, so I've been splitting one-third into the following ETFs, VTV, Vanguard Total Value, VOO, Vanguard S&P 500 and VYM, uh, the Vanguard High Dividend ETF. I like these. I think they're solid. But I was wondering if I'm missing out on small-cap value, small-cap growth. Is that something I should be interested in and try and go a quarter of each, try and catch the small-cap up to my other ones? It's only been about a year and a half of contributions. So looking forward to your answer. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
2: I think you're definitely on the right track here, because if you look at Vanguard value uh, ETF, as well as the Vanguard high dividend yield ETF, there's going to be a lot of overlap with the S&P. Why? Because they're all larger cap ETFs. And so you're going to, the, the, to me, there's, there's a little bit too much overlap. And if you're looking longer term, smaller cap companies have better returns. So you're going to want to have more exposure or at least some exposure to smaller cap names. So a small cap value ETF, I I, I would replace that with the S&P one because you're already getting, you know, two value focused funds with the Vanguard value as well as the Vanguard high yield ETF. I would probably add in a small cap and also lean on the value side, but much smaller and longer term. You're definitely going to get, I don't say definitely likely to get uh, better returns. Thanks for the call. Now, summer is almost here, almost uh, about 15 days away. And you're seeing the market rebound a little bit, but volatility is still here. Um, And the summer is typically a time where volatility tends to pick up. And we're still in a upwardly trending volatility environment, which means that despite the market calm right now, you're likely to see some level of volatility throughout the summer and maybe into the fall. And that means you need to pay attention. You need to understand the risk that you're taking in your portfolio and whether it's set up to buck the trend, or are you just going to slide down the hill with everybody else? So if you aren't sure, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice parallel investing and we implement unbiased guidance both on and off air. So you can take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting by sending us, a me- sending us a message through investtalk.com or calling our office in Irvine, California at 800 557 5461. We'd love to speak to you. Just a short period of time and help you in any way possible. The sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now, we will squeeze in another Invest Talk caller question next. So hang on.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free InvestTalk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and InvestTalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Derek from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And I'm calling in regards to ExxonMobil XOM. I wanted to find out what your target price is for this particular stock. I was able to get in at $33 through your recommendation so thank you very much for that. And given the price gains, I wanted to find out whether I should taper some, sell or hold. Thank you very much and looking forward to the show. Bye now.
2: All right, well Exxon, I will say, has gotten slightly above our target currently. Right now it's trading on $99 per share. Uh, not to say that it can't go higher. Uh, You know, our our energy policy globally is pretty bad. And it's only going to drive energy prices higher over the long term. Now, near term, you've definitely had a a pretty strong surge in the energy stocks. um, And and they're pretty overbought. Uh, So I think it depends really on what your allocation is to the energy space. Are you over allocated under allocated? You know, Exxon is kind of the bellwether within the space Well diversified has oil, natural gas has downstream operations as well, refining, et cetera. And right now is probably one of the best times in Exxon's history of its operations. So, and I don't see that, environment changing too dramatically over the next number of years because just the industry in general is not ramping up production does it's not really having the supply response that typically you have within the industry when prices are high you've seen that with the rig counts and and uh, just production both here domestically and globally and then you the supply issue or nice no, so the demand uh, destruction is not quite there either. I mean, people don't love gas prices at 5 $6 a gallon, but inflation adjusted, it's, you know, not really much higher than it was back in, you know, seven, oh eight. And then you have governments that are talking about subsidizing the prices, which means less reason for people to stop using. So, you know, is it fairly valued now after this big run? Probably now it is. Does that preclude it from going higher if oil prices continue to go up? Absolutely not. And as oil prices go up, you have to raise your target. So I wouldn't look at it here and say, oh, I need to trim it. I would look at it and say, what is my overall exposure to the oil space? And what which ones might be beyond a realistic valuation, and I would say Exxon isn't high on that list. It's kind of probably where it should be. So it's definitely not a strong sell. It's at the minimum a hold right now. Now we can squeeze in a short question. So let's try now.
3: Hi, Andrew from New Hampshire. Thank you for your show. I have a question about your updated view on Big Lots, capital B-I-G, is a symbol. It's down quite a bit since you were last asked about it, and I appreciate an updated view from you about that. Thanks. Take
2: care. All right. This is Big Lots, and they had an earnings report, and they lost money for the first time in a while. Um, And this is kind of common within the space right now, over too much inventory, and you know, it's going to take probably a quarter or two for them to work through the inventory and all that, but it's still long term based on its earnings power. And it typically earns $3, $4 per share. It's at $24 right now. Um, so it's extremely cheap buying back shares. I still think longer term, it is very, very cheap at these levels. I'm Justin Klein. This concludes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast download. Oh, actually, never mind. This isn't the end. We're just going into our final break. We have one more segment left, so give me a call, 888 99 Chart.
0: In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888 99 chart. Stephen, Justin, thanks for the show. This is Art from Tucson. I am calling about a small cap industrial, Mueller Industries, MLI, and wonder what you think a good entry point would be for a longer term hold. And I'll be listening on the
1: podcast.
2: Thank you. Bye. All right. Looking at Mueller Industries. Interesting name here. Consistent cash flow, consistent profitability, return on equity over the last decades, averaged probably high teens, low 20s. And I like that. I like that consistency of the business. They're not issuing a bunch of shares at the same share count as they did back in 2014. They're not buying back shares, but they're paying a consistent dividend. That dividend has grown from twenty-one cents in twenty twelve to sixty-four cents per share now. So I like I like that. I like their business. What they do is they make copper tubing, copper, brass, aluminum, and plastic products, mainly piping systems, industrial metals, and uh, climate tubing. So. I'm a fan of this company overall. Now, let's look at the chart and see what the trends are saying in the near term. And they're pretty positive. It's been consolidating. It had a big surge back in October of last year and has now been tr- trading between 50 and the low 60s ever since and just consolidating in a wide range. And it hit the 200-day moving average last month and it's exploding higher. So I'm going to give Mueller Industries... A thumbs up. I like that's industrial space. I like the consistency of its business. Uh, it's not expensive. It's trading at about a 10% free cash flow yield. Uh, although earnings are expected to come down a bit over the next couple of years, so I think the P ratio is currently um, maybe a a bit too low, uh, meaning that it's you know typically is going to trade in the low teens to mid teens on the P ratio. I think that's fine. So. Uh, the, the chart looks fine. The business looks good. The dividend is nice 1.7% yield, not crazy high, but it's growing. And this is a good example of the type of business that does well longer term. It doesn't pay the highest dividend, but it's growing the dividend. And that's far more important than, oh, the company that just pays a big five, six, 7% dividend today. I rather own the 1.7% dividend payer that's growing that dividend consistently. And it's a smaller cap name. It has cash flow. It has profitability to continue to pay and grow that dividend. So I'm a big fan of this name. M-L-I is the symbol. Mueller Industries. Thanks for the call. Now lastly, I want to touch a bit on I want to touch a bit on annuities because annuity sales are up and they're at the highest level since 2008. Ring a bell. And when there's market and economic volatility, annuity sales go up. Last year, $255 billion of annuities were sold. That was up 16% from 2020. And the first quarter of this year, annuity sales were $64 up 4% from the same period last year. But most people don't. Know what annuities are exactly, the pitfalls, and uh, the the risk and the costs. Well, one thing you have to understand is annuity is just a contract. It's an insurance contract. And you either get an upfront lump sum payment, and you or you, you give an upfront up lump sum payment, or a net guarantees you income stream for life for a fixed period of time. And there are various times, there are various types, excuse me. There are fixed annuities, and those are typically probably the only ones you really want. There are variable annuities that allow you to make investments in mutual funds, ETFs, et cetera. Those are typically the worst because they have the highest fees. And then there's index annuities that are tied to a particular index. Typically, the S&P 500 is a common one. But one thing you don't realize about those index annuities is that dividends are not included in those total returns. And the whole selling point is you don't have downside. And you can add writers to kind of adjust the way these things work, but that just adds fees. And it's just a contract. And so, in times of stress, market volatility, people want certainty. But the certainty is over the long term, you're going to do much better as an investment outside of an annuity. Annuities are very poor investments. Now, for particular purposes fixed annuities can be good for the right reason but remember if you have if you have social security That's basically a fixed annuity So do you need another one on top of that? Probably not So understand that about annuities that they're typically very high fees The person selling it to you has gets a huge Commission. So they're gonna tell you all about the great things They're not gonna tell you about those fees well that does it for today I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a
3: trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial.